Hey there, podcast listeners. Exciting news. My new audiobook, The Short Book Formula, a financial professional's guide to writing a book in six weeks to attract ideal clients, is out now. And the best part, for a limited time, we're offering this audiobook to you for free. Hurry over to www.theshortbookformula.com and claim your copy now. And now, on to our show. Hey everyone, this is Paul McManus, the host of the Million Dollar Producer Show, and I am here today with Tim Mitrovich. Tim is the CEO at 10 Capital Wealth Advisors based out of Spokane, Washington. And what really um, fascinated me about having this interview with Tim um, is that he is a thought leader on the future of all the trends of where wealth management's going. And to back that up in terms of his credibility, Tim has taken his company from roughly 80 million dollars of assets under management when he started eight years ago to today having over 800 million dollars of assets under management. So I'm really excited to jump into this conversation. Welcome, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Now, just kind of to start out very generally for you know someone that's not familiar with you or your firm, what mm-hmm. is it when, when we say wealth management, what is it that you do? What is it that you specialize in? Who are your typical clients? Um, what's your company all about? Yeah. You know, I think, I think we're one of the early adopters of really two things, making sure that we were planning centric, that um, our agendas for clients were not based off some canned approach, but really sitting down with clients, listening to them. That sounds like a tagline, but it really was uh, the truth that we would say, you know, the difference between us and so many people is we don't know what we're going to do for you when we first sit down. Um, which sounds like a kind of simple uh, statement, but I know you know the industry well. Uh, a lot of times, you, client sits down, talks at length, and the advisor says, great, I'm going to put you in this, which is the same thing they've done a thousand <laughs> times or is based more on their comp model than anything that sure. the, the client said. And so that was step one. The other thing that we said, again, um, uh, was we really wanted as a guiding post uh, um, for the firm to – try to make what we view to be a very impersonal industry personal again and bring those two things together. Um, again, just as kind of general guidelines has really shaped so much of what we've done, both in terms of the nature of client interactions um, in the office, plenty of client events outside of the office. And again, deepening uh, those relationships in a way that not just creates clients, but really advocates and fans of our firm. Absolutely. Now, you know, I know a lot of people talk about um, some of the things that you just said. So a lot of people talk sure. about client yeah. relationships, putting clients yeah. first, um, and the reality might be a little bit different or might be a little bit more generic. What is it that you guys are doing specifically to really build those client relationships and to, and to demonstrate to the clients how you're invested in them? A lot of it's just time. I, I think it's a business, again, that has been predicated on trying to move people in and through. So, you know, we won't just take on new clients. I think we've, okay. we've taken to heart a lot of the different practice management pieces um, that are out there. Let me start here. We don't think we're special. <laughs> and so when you don't think you're special, uh, you pay attention to those people who've come before, you listen, you learn, uh, you're more willing to adapt. And so I think that far from 
thinking we have it all figured out. A lot of our success, I think, comes from approaching things in a pretty humble fashion. Um, So one of the things, again, that we've heard is make sure you're really working for people you're passionate about Mm. too. Have the self-discipline to not just take anybody on. Um, Our typical client is an average household has a million bucks, but it really ranges um, in part on our advisors, um, where they're at in their careers. Obviously, some of our younger advisors are willing to take on uh, smaller accounts with young professionals growing. But we'll meet upwards of one or two times with the client just helping unpack um, really what is important to them and how they might accomplish that to get a feel, each one of us, for working together. And then decide, you know, this isn't going to be a great fit. Now it is for most people. Mm -hmm. um, But there are times where, you know, they don't think they need our value uh, or don't perceive there to be enough value there. Or conversely, we just don't think um, it's someone that we're going to be able to have a great relationship with. Again, not that they're not great people, but can, you know, we've all dealt with this in our personal lives, right? You can have two great people who just aren't great together. And so I think that step one is, being willing to spend the time to demonstrate your value up front, be genuine about seeing if there's a good fit. And then it just becomes a lot of time, Paul. I think, you know, I always hearken back to uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, David and Goliath, Mm -hmm. um, where we all kind of know the things we should do, but knowing them and doing them are different. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how many things we do that are radically unique. Um, I think the thing that's radical about it is our consistency. So we put out a weekly hand-done commentary, uh, both in video and written form. We throw 26 different client events, ranging from very small personal events to some very large social gatherings. And I think it's that consistency of putting in that hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mentioned in David and Goliath, I mean, you talked about it with uh, running the press at Louisville with uh, Calipari, I believe it was, and or Patino, excuse me, and um, just how hard they work, that that was the secret. And a lot of people walked away saying, I just don't want to work that hard. Um, and so I think again, it, yeah. that that's really the secret sauce uh, to what we have going here is the character of our people and their willingness to put the time in. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's that it's ex- I mean, what you're saying, I think, is you're talking about execution, you know, I think yeah. today, nowadays, you know, especially with all the things that are possible for people to do, especially when it comes to marketing and different things, you know, there's a lot of bright, shiny object syndrome, meaning that there's 10 different things that potentially someone could do and they might be okay. But if you're just chasing the next idea, um, you know, are you really, are you really owning it and executing? So what it sounds like you're saying is that it's a number of core things that you've seen work and it's just the consistency of execution over time that really creates results that you're producing. Absolutely. I mean, I uh, was down at the TD elite conference, not that I didn't, meet a lot of great people and learn uh, as well down there. But I remember talking to some people who had indicated to our common rep that, you know, how, how are we going to grow? We just don't know. We've tried to do this, that, whatever. We've tried client events, I guess, must have come up because she's like, oh, you've got to meet Tim and hear how they're communicating with clients and these different client events they're doing. And you'd listen to them like, yeah, I put out a newsletter like for a month, you know, or mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, we've done like three client events. Yep. Um, I mean, to be clear, like, we, we stunk at a lot of this stuff for a really long time and we still may not be very good. We're just better than we were. Right. Sure. But it is sure. that consistency of keep uh, going on. And, and again, not doing an event or putting something out um, because it's about what you want to say mm-hmm. so much as it is what you, the, that they want to hear. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we do anything, we're always asking ourselves, not what, again, what is our agenda, 
Mm-hmm. But if we were on the other side of this, would we want to come to this party? <laughs> would, exactly. would I take time of my Friday afternoon to read what is this going to help me or is this just out to help 10 capital? And so, but that takes a lot of time because it doesn't, you know, I get the question all the time. What do you think your return on time or equity or, but, you know, I, I think if that's your focus, you're probably going to get frustrated before whatever payoff is going to come, comes. Sure. Now I've, I've heard, um, I was actually checking out some of your videos and social media um, yeah, no. before this interview. And I've um, heard you talking a lot about um, a team approach. Yeah. Um, t- tell me more about what that means to you. Sure. Well, you know, again, not to, to pick on my fellow listeners here, but I think it, you know, I had to face this truth myself some years ago, which is for being in an industry where we tell clients they need a partner, um, being in an industry that tells people to take a long-term perspective, um, there are a whole lot of us who work in isolation without any partners mm-hmm. and who are very short-term in our approaches. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when I think about team, you know, part of doing anything we do here from great planning to portfolio design to a, even a client event is having a lot of different skill sets, personalities mm-hmm. that the clients get to engage with, right? Sure. Or that might be able to um, hear something a client saying and, and come up with a more constructive answer. We've all been in those situations where, let's hypothetically say, you and I are talking to, you know, Mr. Client, and I say something, he's like, I just don't understand. And then you say the exact same thing, I think. And he's like, oh, I understand it when Paul says it. Yeah. And like, that's what I just said, right? <laughs> and so, but it's just a little bit different. And that difference yeah. can be the key, but that difference can only come when you have, again, um, people who are certainly linked through a common philosophy and core set of values, but just are different people and have different approaches. So, you know, for us, we've got people who really gravitate toward any different aspect of the business, but we can rely on each other's strengths and weaknesses, both personally and professionally, to, I think, again, give a more well-rounded experience to the clients. That's awesome. Shifting gears a little bit, <clears throat> one of the things that's very important to me, and I believe it's important to you, is the idea of thought leadership. Yeah. Um, and also using today's, you know, content marketing, social media, et cetera, to, to put out that thought leadership. I know that you do a lot of videos. Tell me what um, your, you know, in terms of thought leadership, where do you stand or what are the things that are most important to you and what are the trends going forward that you're looking to really shape or to be um, shape that conversation? Yeah, it's just, I, I never wanted to make the videos. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and I say that because I think it's an important truth of life that um, the right thing to do is often very counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, rarely have I made, uh, you know, the decisions where I, I'm like, oh, this is absolutely the right path through. I was probably oblivious to a lot. Um, and those have usually backfired where the, the things that took a leap of faith caused me some hesitancy. We're going to create some type of discomfort, et cetera. Mm-hmm. really the path to go. And so I think for me, that's all just to say, it wasn't that I felt that my voice had to be heard or, um, and, and pretty quickly I realized I had to let go of the pressure of trying to say something or be something profound. Um, I think it just had to be out there. I think we we sometimes realize that there's just not a lot of, of positive thought. There are not mm-hmm. a lot of people who may be articulating something that's a very simple message. Um, and that you're, again, to my earlier point, uh, where you and I are talking to a hypothetical client, that your voice may not say anything different, but it may say it differently. Mm-hmm. And that is the difference to resonating with someone. And so for us, it was 
again, for our clients, for the investor community or, you know, investment advisor community, um, just walk in the talk, you know, rather than just saying that everything else stinks, like sure. trying to put something out there and hoping that people would respect the heart and the effort with which it was done. Um, even if the content wasn't always what it could or should be, but no, I do think the industry is changing. Um, I think people who aren't willing to do the hard things or the uncomfortable things, um, step back in an ego to work within a team construct, as you just alluded to, um, and are instead focused on their payouts and their, Mm -hmm. their profitability and all these things that in my experience actually choke off growth, uh, even up until this point they're not going to be ready for what's next because what's mm-hmm. next is going to certainly be in some part about scale. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to deliver more than you've ever delivered before to clients. Um, but part of that, you know, again, is only really possible working within a team construct because no one of us has all those traits and talents that are going to be able to suffice uh, for what clients need. Sure. Tell me a little bit more about, um, I understand that I think you have about 10 Correct me if I'm wrong, but about 10 financial advisors that are part of your team. Is that accurate? And licensed, probably six to seven of us that are really um, uh, focused on client engagement. Okay, yeah, perfect. In terms of classic advisors. Yeah. Sure. So when it comes to branding and thought leadership, what help me understand the difference, if there is one, between what you do as the CEO mm-hmm. and how your financial advisors that are involved in client engagement attraction. Yeah. Do they have their own personal brands that are, that are separate? Do they leverage what you put out? What does that look like? And, and part of the reason for that, the question yeah. Yeah. is that one of the things that I see for many advisors out there, especially ones that work, you know, for, or, or even independent ones, they're bought into some, you know, you know, program, some, some company yeah. and all of the marketing becomes very generic. Um, it's all very generic. And so it's hard, you know, so they, they typically don't stand out as an authentic, unique individual. Right. Um, if, if that question makes sense, how is it different, not just for you, but for your team in terms of how you approach content and marketing? Yeah, that's a great point. I think, I think the hardest, um, let me start here from a bit. The place that people have got to get to is understanding that on the same point, the lone wolves are two person shops. I believe will die in short order, right? Unless they have some hyper-specific niche that, you know, let's be frank, very few, very few advisors truly have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some very obviously high net worth clients. On the flip side, you know, there are a lot of mega RIAs now that are just basically wirehouses and sheep's clothing. And I don't really think that, that, that creates that canned experience that you're talking about where you're really rolling up under whether it's a brand or a personality that person's approach. Um, on the one hand, I think anybody who's sitting in the chair in which I sit needs to be constantly crafting narratives mm-hmm. and messages sure. and, and playing that role. Um, I capped how many clients I'll work with because mm-hmm. obviously I need to be a manager as well sure. um, uh, and, and help with that. But at the same time, I don't view that simply as being about myself the firm, but going to the individual advisors and helping them, to your point, craft their own message. And so if you go back through our LinkedIn or Instagram, Facebook feeds, you'll see other people will do some of the commentaries as well. Mm -hmm. Other people are part of what we call our weekly 10, which is kind of our one to two minute Mm -hmm. um, Instagram type video. And so it isn't just uh, meant to be 
uh, my show. It really is about the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have that pressure to feel the need to say something if there's nothing that they have to say. Yeah, um, we're taking it a step further. We're certainly looking to add other great advisors to our team, uh, whether they're here in Spokane or, or regionally for that matter. Um, and part of our value proposition is going to be both with resources um, as well as with messaging, helping them craft their own personal brands um, within the context, again, of the team. Because sure. I do believe clients love that team concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, our team has certainly found it here that it only strengthens our individual values to our clients that we have great colleagues. Mm-hmm. It doesn't detract because Definitely. I've got a colleague with a talent that I don't have. It only adds to my story. And so, again, it, it is helping you stand out, whatever your unique story is. but within that context, that, that fabric of the entire team and, and, you know, helping us build, you know, helping you build yourself up because you're also surrounded by a bunch of other great people. Mm-hmm. So. Switching gears again, um, sure. aside from um, client relations per se, mm-hmm. um, thinking about trends and how the industry is evolving and what's next and, you know, how do you not just survive, but potentially thrive in the coming years? Um, what role does technology play? What role do you see technology playing, whether it's, you know, meeting remotely like we are today? I mean, right now we're in the middle of uh, uh, the coronavirus as we're interviewing this and there's this concept <laughs> yeah. of social distancing, yeah. right? So yeah. it's like, you know, how do you build your business when you have to stay six feet away from people? Um, sure. that, that's a momentary thing, but longer term, what are you seeing in terms of technology and how to leverage technology to um, attract more clients to create those better relationships, whether they're local or remote? I mean, part of it's things like this, right? The ability to have clients that aren't going to come down to your office or to be able to facilitate a meeting uh, with two busy spouses who can't be at the same place at the same time. I and mean, that's certainly part of the modern reality. And for the most part, I think that's pretty easily solved. I think I, I look at technology and our use of it um, moving forward again, coming back to one of those guiding principles I talked about, which is how are we going to make an impersonal industry personal? Mm -hmm. And so if I've sat down, uh, you know, with a couple and one of them has articulated to me some things that are just paramount to them uh, that, you know, goals, I want more time with my family. Uh, There's a trip we take every year as a family that, you know, would kill me to not be able to take uh, with my kids, et cetera. How do I craft my messaging specific to that? And then do that at scale, right? Um, uh, We all have uh, finite (laughs) memories. So how am I going to be able uh, to create that unique? So for us, technology, you know, certainly about um, being on their phone, so to speak, with the great Mm -hmm. app, um, but communicating regularly. So whether that's trade alerts and portfolio updates that are popping up as notifications on your phone in general to something very specific like, hey, Paul, I know this is the day where now you're able to accomplish that we remembered it and we're reaching out to just say we're excited as well. Um, Those little personal touches, I think will be the critical difference between those who succeed moving forward and not. And again, it's not any one of those things so much as it is just how you're going to make um, people have a high degree of confidence that you know their personal story and their goals. I think the Mm -hmm. biggest thing I hear from new clients that come on about why they're leaving wherever they were at is they just didn't feel heard or remembered. Um, so those are two things we want to make sure we're addressing. Sure. Very cool. In terms of marketing and business development, um, you've talked a lot about client relationships. 
what is it that your firm does um, to, I mean, what has clients reaching out to you aside from referrals? Um, yeah. What, what is it that, that you guys are invested in in terms of marketing or business development um, yeah. that you see working the best? And, and, and by the same token, what have you tried or done over the past eight years that, you know, just as like, oh my goodness, that did not work whatsoever. Let's stay away from that. Yeah, I think, you know, <clears throat> we haven't had a lot of success with like buying leads and some of those things are again, more of those classic approaches. I wouldn't say it's that our phones are ringing off the hook with people who had otherwise not heard of us, but then saw this Instagram video that mm-hmm. there changed the world. I, I think it's everything in totality. I had an uh, eight-figure account uh, come over last year and they were referred, okay. but they were referred by someone who had been brought by somebody else to one of our client events, social okay. events. Sure. And um, when this person mentioned to the new client, you know, that they should be a client, they started looking around on Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. and seeing some of the videos and getting a feel for who we are. And like, Definitely. yeah, you know, I think I will call them. They're nice guys. So Definitely. it wasn't just the event. It wasn't just a referral. It wasn't just the Instagram video. But as I asked, as we always do with clients, like what, what led you, thank you for deciding to work with us. What led to that, uh, to paraphrase you know, he mentioned a whole bunch of different things. And yeah. so here again, I don't, for those people who get too focused on their return on investment in any one area, I think they'll be disappointed, but it's the totality of all of that. I think the short answer to your question though is, um, how are you going to facilitate the referral? Not just ask. Yep. So we all have had people who have said, oh man, you got to meet my buddy, Joe. He'd be a mm-hmm. great client for you. I know he needs to work with somebody um, but people in our line of work sometimes forget how intimate, what a huge risk it is for a referral or how intimidating or nauseating it is to <laughs> sit down with people who again are coming with an agenda. But sure. if I can put something fun together, like we, we hold a March Madness event, uh, not this year, clearly, um, 350 mm. plus people show up you, and, and we never have sold at an event ever. There's no yeah. sales pitches. There's no, this is why 10 capital is great. There's no, let us tell you about a magic portfolio. None of that nonsense. Um, we literally just try to bring value and a good time. Um, now you can feel safe bringing Joe to that event and you can promise Joe, Hey, look, come get a feel for these guys. They're, they're good people. I've been trying to get you in front of Tim. I promise they're not going to corner you and try to get a statement out of you before you leave. And now we're, now we're going, right? So that a natural relationship can start to build um, that is just going to set the stage for what then could become a referral. And so referrals, obviously the common word, but it's all the things you have to do to lead up to that. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally hear you and I totally agree. And there's a number of really, I think, powerful things that you said there. Um, let me just dissect a few things that I heard, you know, one is that event, right? So, you know, that was the opening, you know, that the event in and of itself did not, um, you know, convert the client, if you will, it was the opening, they became aware of you. But then what I heard you say is that then the person was curious, you know, there was no pressure to do anything, but they're curious, like we all are, you know, Mm -hmm. and as we all do nowadays, we go online, we check companies out, we check people out. And the more social proof, the more content, good content, ideally, um, Mm -hmm. that you have out there in the marketplace, especially when it's, you know, video or audio or podcast, you know, 
it gives people the ability to get to know you, your personality, you know, your trustworthiness, your credibility before they ever feel, you know, that need to, um, you know, you know, you know it, there's a process there that people go through. There's a psychological right. process. Um, right. The other thing that you said that I love, and I, I actually just did this yesterday, was that, you know, how do you facilitate the referral? So being you know, referral is not something new. You know, it's like that's, that's right. you know, that right. we love referrals and it's not something totally. new. But it's completely different if um, I were to, you know, email someone and say, hey, you should talk to Tim. You know, he's a wealth advisor. You should talk to him versus sending a, you know, a, you know, a, a link to a podcast that you're on about some specific topic that I know is of value or importance to the person I'm introducing you to and say, hey, yeah. I know this is important. I want to introduce you to Tim. Here's a podcast that he was just on. If you find it valuable, feel free to reach out. That is yep. a night and day difference because it gives totally. a person a chance to kind of vet you, get a sense of you before they decide to reach out. You can only call so many people at one point in time, whether they're clients or prospects. And so this month, uh, if it doesn't set the record for new assets uh, at the firm, it's going to come close. Mm-hmm. And we've had our hands as full as anybody. And, and a lot of it has come, as you're mentioning, you know, putting out these commentaries and your hypothetical buddy, Joe, that we're using um, right now that you can say, you know, you're talking with him as you would in an ordinary course of, of a relationship. And he's, Oh my God, Paul, what am I going to do? This is happening. And you'd be like, well, Hey, let me forward you the commentary that my guy just sent over to me. I think I've mentioned Tim to you before. And you know, he's seen, he's struck a pretty optimistic tone. He had some different thoughts and you can ping him. You're like, yeah, you know what? Like I, you know, maybe I could use having a relationship like that. He sees how calm you were. I had a client uh, the other day tell me uh, they were at a bridge. It was a lady who's like, you know, I was at a bridge and half the clients as fate would have it were 10 capital clients and half weren't. And um, I just put out kind of an intro week. It was uh, during one of the crashes a week or two ago, um, a piece that I wanted. And they had all got it on their phones and taken a quick look at it. And she was just talking about the conversation that then transpired during this bridge meeting where the five clients thought it was so cool that they had gotten an interweek message, that they got it on their phone, that it helped them know that things were going to be okay. And now they're talking at this bridge event to these other five ladies, uh, who, to my knowledge, haven't called yet, but hopefully they might, um, about, hey, this is what's going on. And none of them had that, right? And so we'll joke, um, you know, you got to do the right things. But, uh, you know, I hearken back, I'm old enough, as I think you are too, Paul, to remember the movie Jerry Maguire. Sure. And uh, I talk at colleges, the kids have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like, you got to go back and watch that movie. But <laughs> is it the scene at the end, you know, where you, where the agent says, uh, you know, they're hugging because of everything that they, you know, Tidwell and Maguire's character have gone through. And the guy looks over at his age, like, how come we don't have a relationship like that? And so, again, it's, we all love the end of that story if it results in, the, in a new client relationship, but there's so much that has to go into it for you to earn that right to have that relationship exactly. that then is attractive to another person. Exactly. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and from my experience, what I find is that, you know, the thought leadership, the content, the willingness to put yourself out there, it simply accelerates that process. Because yep. once you get the phone call um, from a, whether it's a referral or, a, you know, completely, quote unquote, cold prospect that, you know, just found you online, they already have a sense of who you are. There's already a level of trust and it's just easy to hit the ground running. Why well, one guy <laughs> knew it was a referral. He had gone to the website. And he's like, on the one hand, I thought this guy must be pretty cocky if he's putting out a video every week. But he goes, 
ultimately I was like, whoever I'm giving my money to, I want them to be confident, right? So yeah. I, mean, I think it's, you got to strike that right tone. But here again, that's not something I'm able to do on my own. The, the, the team certainly steps forward and quite literally does a lot of those. Um, they certainly uh, help, help facilitate a lot of the events. Um, they'll send me material that maybe they don't want to be the presenter of, but mm. it's great material. Um, again, we wouldn't pretend that everything that we're doing is our own thought. There are a lot of brilliant sure. men and women in our industry. And so sure. a lot of times you're just finding those nuggets and sharing them. Um, and so, again, I think that's part of, of, you know, both the humility and then the lack of putting pressure on yourself to realize sometimes all you just need to be is the messenger. And And Diego, he had this to say, I, I think it can be helpful to you and not, again, whether it's quite literally the team internally to your firm or a bigger external firm, uh, team in terms of the industry, a feeling that other, other people's talents have to detract from your value proposition, right? And I just, I run into that so much where people think of it, you know, they don't, they want to hoard everything into themselves and they're afraid if they open it up at all, that it somehow diminishes them, which is just is not the case. Sure. Um- in a moment, I'm going to ask you about how an advisor, um, if they're listening to this and they're interested, how they can reach out to you. Um, sure. Before we do that, is there any question that I haven't asked you yet that you think would be important for us to discuss? I don't think so. I guess if there's one thing to everything we've just been discussing that I would finish on is, you know, you can start small. I think sometimes, again, at least in those conversations where I've been introduced to other people in the industry at conferences, et cetera, who wanted to know how we're doing, what we're doing. Um, you know, this is eight years in the making <laughs> of building and we sure. weren't doing everything we do today, eight years ago. Um, and it's what, again, is things that we can facilitate because it feels authentic to us. Cause I think that's at the end of the day, it's that authenticity mm. that people are going to feel right. Um, our commentaries have typos in them. Our events have mistakes, um, but I think the heart and the effort, again, that we put into those uh, is palpable and people feel that. And so, you know, we all have different unique interests, things that um, uh, we feel capable. And so that, I think that's where anybody can start. Very cool. Um, and so it's my understanding that, um, that you're, you're, you're open to, I mean, you're, you're not, recruiting per se, but you're open to bringing on new advisors if appropriate. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but so for yeah. an advisor listening to this, what are some of those things that they should be thinking about questions that they have in terms of potentially um, reaching out to you? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think if someone at some point, case in point, this latest advisor is going to be joining and pushing us to that 800 million uh, mark. Um, great talent. Um, great business, a huge book of business, um, but found that, again, working in isolation, relatively speaking, that things had stagnated, most notably growth, um, innovation, um, just from a lack of time. And, and again, even peer groups to sharpen one another off of. And so I think if someone out there is saying, look, I'm either struggling to grow or I've kind of hit the ceiling um, or I'm just not enjoying my job enough, I think yeah. people don't realize how often um, what has become routine and, and thus passionless comes off to clients and prospects. Mm -hmm. They, they sense you're going through the motions. Sure. Um, and so that's again, a, a great advantage of having colleagues. I think if anybody has found themselves in that way, they should reach out. They don't have to feel like they want to join 10 capital. Um, we certainly would love to grow. Like I said, I do think scale is important. 
important for us all. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the same token, as I think I, I might have mentioned to you in a previous conversation, I don't view my greatest competitors as being other men and women who are doing it well. I view it as all those people who are not doing it well. And so mm-hmm. if I can um, share something that helps somebody else improve their practice, um, not just prospecting, but their practice and how they do things, that's great because I think our industry has a reputational problem that is a greater impediment to success than somebody else being good at their job, right? Sure. And so I'm, I'm happy to share. And I also learn a lot. You know, sure. again, um, we might have put our own stamp on a lot of these ideas, but we're not pretending that <laughs> we are, we're the first ones to originate the idea of a client event. We just, you know, have done it in some unique ways that I think have made it more productive. Is is there a minimum book of business that an advisor would need to potentially join a firm like yours or, or to join actually your firm? Say yeah. <clears throat> I, it, to, to be honest, we look at that a lot like we do clients in the sense of really how young are they? You know, mm-hmm. if you find someone who has a 25 to $50 million book of business, who's a young advisor who's just getting going and uh, we think has a lot of potential, um, that's a much different conversation than trying to go, you know, buy a $25 million book of a 65 year old guy that's got 300 clients in it. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I think what I'd say is, you know, we're open to conversations, um, even if it's just to be helpful. Um, I've had some people reach out in the past under the guise of wanting to join, just trying to pilfer information. I'm like, I would have willingly shared that with you, right? Like you didn't have to, you didn't have to pretend you were joining my firm for me to help give you a piece of advice uh, or just, or just, Again, not even that I'm necessarily coming from some place, um, uh, you know, above or below anyone else, but just to have a conversation with the peer. Again, there's a lot of times in our industry where much like I talked about some of the things that create hesitancies of quoting another expert in the industry or saying, you know, that's really not my expertise. That's my Mm -hmm. teammates expertise. Um, We just don't share enough. And so I think one of the things, if I can help uh, facilitate it is just, that willingness to, again, like, let's all get better at our craft and learn from one another. Um, and, and, you know, there's plenty of clients and plenty of business and plenty of opportunity for those people who want to do it right. Very cool. Um, final question. So, um, you know, we, we joked earlier about there's a lot of eights in your numbers. So you've been in business for eight years. You started with 80 million. You're currently around 800 million. So eight <laughs> years from now, we're in 2028. Oh, what does 10 Capital Wealth Advisors look like? You know, um, I, I do think we'll, you know, begin to have a regional slash West Coast presence. Um, we don't, I started to say this earlier, I don't think becoming monolithic is anybody's best interest. Mm. Uh, so when I talk about geographical spread, it's more about probably what it takes to find the people who are the right fit for our mm-hmm. firm than it is trying to become the next big brand that flying around. I think the biggest thing for us is going to be uh, trying to, I think the next thing is how we rethink the office space, to be honest, Paul, maybe it's a conversation for another day, but helping um, take some of what we're doing in terms of the types of meetings we hold, the client events we have, and bringing those things together into, uh, you know, a really unique uh, experience within our office. I think, you know, a couple of years ago, we decided like, are we going to just become the people who do everything via go-to meetings mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and shrink our office space as much as humanly possible? Or do we really think, rethink how office space is used and what it's there for and, and how it can be used to build um, client and community engagement? So eight years from now, I hope we've accomplished that. 
Um, and, and to the extent we've been able to put out more good content that's helped improve the industry, that would be a great blessing as well. Very cool. Um, well, Tim, thank you very much for being our guest on today's episode of the Million Dollar Producer Show. We appreciate having you. Thank you, Paul.